Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. Today we're going to be talking about dreams and premonitions with our guest, Teresa Chung. Teresa studied theology at King's College, Cambridge, and went on to study numerology, tarot, intuition, and dreams. She's written several best-selling books, including The Dream Dictionary A to Z and 21 Rituals to Change Your Life, She also co-wrote The Premonition Code with Dr. Julia Mossbridge, which examines the science of precognition. So thank you so much for joining us today, Teresa. I'm wondering if you can start us off by telling listeners how you came to study and write about dreams so extensively. Are they an important part of your life? Oh, absolutely. I call myself a dreaming being, really. Um, Dreams have been very important. I mean, I was born into a family of spiritualists and astrologers and psychics. So it was kind of like in my blood, as it were. So talking about dreams was very commonplace, talking about psychic abilities. Um, And then I, I just continued this through Cambridge, you know, but I kind of got a a big heavy dose of skepticism then when I was there, when you study academically. And I think that served me very well moving on to write book after book after book. I've been very, very blessed to be in the position to, to write books about what I love and what, what all I know really. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. So, and and also following your truth. And I think that's what a lot of our listeners are stepping into now as empaths, as sensitives, as intuitives, they're, they're, they're feeling this draw to, and, and it, it's beautiful. I, sorry to interrupt. I get so um, excited because I do feel actually now, that, I mean, it's like the people who are more externally focused, more material focused, have had their time, right? We've had the pandemic now, and I think it's really the age of the empath, the sensitive, because our what we offer is so much needed now for the world to heal and most importantly to evolve and not go back to where we were, which was such an emphasis on the material, on the external, um, and this sort of enforced contemplation that the planet has had has been under this last year, I think has allowed sensitives, introverts, people who aren't naturally out there, you know, and comfortable telling others what to do or ride rough riding roughshod over other people's feelings, which the world seemed to value more pre-COVID, I think now these qualities of empathy, compassion have have really been placed centre stage because we see that that's what we need to heal. And it's lovely on our news feeds, for example, we don't see so much about celebrities and reality stars anymore. We see the key workers, the, the natural empaths who are doctors, nurses, you know, people caring for each other. That's that's become the story now that more of us want to tune into. So it's our time. Sensitive is, is the new strong. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's very, very hopeful. Do you feel that throughout this weird year we've just come out of, and in many ways still are, do you think it's been a roller coaster for empaths? And do you think that's affected their dream life as well? Well, first of all, I mean, I mean, because obviously in my work, I talk to a lot of people, interview them, and a lot of them actually have said, I said, are you looking forward to it all going back? And a lot of them have said, not really. I've had the time. I know this sounds awful because they would not want it, you know, with the, the death and the grief and the loss. They would want it any other way. But in some ways, they've actually enjoyed the fact that they have been able to, to, to be more contemplative, to not feel they need to be seen, to not 
be pulled in all these directions and and to actually focus on on their inner life and you know i i know person to person interaction is very very important but you know for a lot of people it's actually been a blessing for them to actually just calm down stay at home more and focus on what really matters so that's been a theme and a lot of them have said I i'm not sure i want it to go back to like oh i've got to go on holiday i've got to go and see all these people all the time so i think that's very interesting to see how that develops but as far as the dream life is concerned yes also this year as well as empathy and sensitivity taking center stage i know as a dream author i have never had so much interest from media from tv from radio from publishers wanting my insights about dreaming because of the lockdown dream phenomenon we've all had these weird and wonderful dreams which for me made perfect sense it was the dreaming mind doing what it absolutely loves to do which is to help us heal um and deal with crisis in and by offering us these dream stories to interpret but i i as i say there's been an unprecedented increase in interest in dreaming and i don't think that's going to go away actually from what i'm seeing that the interest if anything is increasing yeah i agree yes and it's interesting too that and i'd love your opinion or your your insight on this of the more and more that i connect with people and i say this so often is we're tapping into that collective and i see a lot of archetypal energies coming through with people's dreamings there's a similarity with some of the things people are dreaming about which is fascinating because i think it's all a precursor towards this global unity that we're all working towards you are so right because whatever your age or stage in life whatever your political beliefs you dream they show our shared humanity don't they um yes. and i love that it connects us i mean and even people who say they don't recall their dreams they do dream they're just not remembering them um you know everybody everybody dreams research shows that and we dream every single night um whoever you are whatever you believe however much money you have in the bank whatever you look like however many followers you have or don't have you dream it's 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 something that humans do Well, and you know, studies show that we spend at least 30% of our lives dreaming. And so to not remember that or work to recall that, I feel like you're missing out on 30% of your life. Oh gosh, absolutely. That's that's a beautiful way to look at it. And as I I say a lot in my books, you know, when we go to sleep, you don't actually we don't actually ever fully sleep because our bodies are very active. when we sleep and our minds are active you know a part of our brain stays alert in in the dreaming mode um and to, you know there's so much going on there so much healing so much infinite creativity to tap into it's such a shame that people don't realize that recognize that that you know you don't ever stop really you just carry on and that, that's you know if you believe in life after death it's that when you dream you meet your soul and that aspect of you carries on perhaps surviving bodily death of course we don't know but that's a very interesting thought i mean i believe that's the case but you know it, it just shows that there there's a part of us that's always kind of awake and and has our best interests at heart because dreams even nightmares are very healing experiences they they are trying to help and heal us in the only way they know how um which is to talk to us through the language of symbol and metaphor and that's where a lot of people uh, the stumbling block with dreams comes for a lot of people because they say well if dreams are so important why don't they make sense and it's my job in recent years has been to say well here's how you can make sense of them 
See, I love that because as a, a medium, as an intuitive, a very clever way, and I get a lot of symbols, and, and I that's how I dream as well. It's like putting puzzles together. And I have a friend, and she's a very, very lucid dreamer and can do remote viewing through her dreams. And I reached out to her. I said, we're having this amazing person come on the show who is you know, one of the experts in dreaming. And she said, could you please ask, is there a way to control a lucid dream or a remote viewing dream? Well, first of all, um, it's a kind of a, a lot of people think lucid dreaming, which um, if you don't know uh, what that is, I'm sure your listeners do, but it's when you are are dreaming and you know you're dreaming. So well done for your, for your, for your friend for being able to do that, but it's not actually controlling your dreams because you can no more control your dreams than you can control the wind or the ocean because it's infinite creativity. But what you can do is you can influence sometimes things that happen into it, just as you can kind of navigate the waves of the ocean you can kind of influence it and it's a phenomenal ability but actually all of us have that ability at some point in our lives most of us will have had have at least one lucid dream and it tends to happen more in childhood and young adulthood when we're more open-minded but it's something we can all do and you don't actually have to learn how to do it you just have to remember how to do it and what you need is a tremendous amount of self-belief first of all um a tremendous love for dreaming and if you put those two together often the result is more frequent lucid dreams and i i love lucid dreams because i wake up just feeling like i can literally can fly it's a euphoric experience and it shows me that there's so much more to me and to everybody else and this world than meets the eye but um it's an incredible uh, opportunity to explore yourself um, unconscious your unconscious um what lies beneath you oh that's beautiful you know i've talked a lot about this on my other podcast psychic teachers but i have these dream experiences i call them my night worker time you know as opposed to a light worker where i'm helping earthbounds cross over or i'm facilitating a healing or i'm giving people i've never met readings and when it first started happening i was always at this oceanside cafe but I never really told anyone about it because it sounded, you know, a little strange. <laughs> it's beautiful. But yeah. Then I started getting emails from listeners saying, I had the strangest dream that you and I were sitting at this restaurant by this ocean and you were giving me a reading. It's and- beautiful, that kind of dream, you know, because about 99% of our dreams are symbolic and psychological, um, you know, like an acting like an internal therapist, but there's that 1% of dreams that are, I think fall into the paranormal category and, and night worker dreams certainly fall into that. And I've had lots of messages too from people who say they've had a dream when they were actually present when someone passed and were able to hold their hand in spirit. And the detail and what's fantastic about these messages I get is that they are able to know things about the scene of the person dying that was impossible for them to know. So something remarkable is happening and this merits much further research um but you i mean i i can imagine you, you being an empath that you would why would you stop when you sleep your spirit as i say doesn't sleep so you help people when you're awake you're going to do that asleep too your spirit's going to 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 roam and help others in spirit yeah it almost feels to me like a form of spontaneous or unconscious astral travel 
Yeah, it's like, yes, it, it really is. It's almost, but in some ways it's, it's very similar to like when you pray for someone, you pray for them, it's, it's sending them that good vibes and that positive energy. There is power in that, the true power in that. And I'm sure if you tell someone that you were, you were there with them in a moment of crisis, it can make them feel very reassured. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful uh, ability to have. And, um, and as I said, I do get messages about this too. And I night work at category of dreams are just beautiful. And it tends to be empaths and people who are in the healing and caring professions who have these kind of dreams because that's who they are. And you can't switch off because when you go into the land of dreams, you don't change. You are still you. Your dreams don't lie. You carry that essence into the world of the dream too. Yeah, that's exactly right. To tie this in with your premonition code work and also with the dream work, two things, visitation dreams from people in spirit. Yes. Yes. They are so real and visceral and whole. And you want to go back to sleep and be back with your loved ones. And a lot of people that, you know, as a medium, you're talking to them and they're grieving and they, why won't he or she or they come into my dreams? I miss them. I need to see them. Is there any way people can lower their own, uh, I don't want to say their defenses, but be more open? Because I know people in spirit are, are right there knocking on the door saying, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm coming to see you. How can we, or is there a, a tool or a, a tip or a technique to open more up to that? I think so. First of all, just to say, yes, you're right. Visitation dreams are, are the most common afterlife sign by far, in my opinion, for people, people who write to me, you know, and they say, well, I want a proper sign, you know. Um, and I say, well, have you dreamt about them? And they say, yeah. And I said, well, there's your sign. You've already had it. People need to be aware that dreaming of a departed loved one is, in my opinion, a wonderful, subtle and soft um, connection to the afterlife. Um, but if you're, I think trying to force these kind of dreams, in my humble opinion, is, is always the wrong thing. It's like trying to catch a butterfly, isn't it? If you trap it, it's going to die yeah um, it's, it's it's basically just sending loving positive thoughts to the departed loved one before you go to sleep you can incubate dreams gently asking your dreaming mind saying if it's right for me to connect in spirit in soul in my dreams please let that happen but if it doesn't happen to not beat yourself up it's just not the right path for you. There will be other paths. Perhaps you see white feathers, perhaps butterflies, perhaps, you know, a message that pops up on, on your phone resonates with you and makes you feel like it's just for you from your loved one in spirit. Don't get hung up on it if it doesn't happen because it's not happening for a reason. Maybe you're not ready. Maybe it's not what your departed loved one in spirit wants right now. Um, but just constantly sending love to the people you've loved and lost helps them and helps you. That's what I feel. That's great advice. And they could be busy. I had a friend who did not hear from her mother <laughs> for a year and she finally had a dream about her. And the mother said, I was in a rest home acclimating to heaven. And it took me this yes, long to busy. be able to figure out how to enter your dreams. So, you know, they're, they're doing work over there. They got stuff to do. But if you think about it in this life, I mean, I, I believe that we're here on this earth to learn. And that's why I always tell my readers and listeners, please go out there and make lots of mistakes because that's how you learn the most and stop fearing making mistakes. If you're not making mistakes, you're not trying, you're not living life to the full. And that continues after after we've passed. I'm convinced you learning doesn't stop. You know, you know, the, I think evolution is constant. 
and in spirit that wouldn't change either that they've got to learn they've got to adapt they you know true when i get stories of people who have had near-death experiences that not often mention of libraries vast halls of learning um meeting mentors and guides and all that i think it's fairly busy for them and they've, they've had a shock too you know they're transitioning to another state so give them time you know sometimes you can have dreams of departed loved ones five ten years afterwards or more you can suddenly have a very vivid vivid dream because you're ready and they're ready yeah i think that's right <laughs> i love yeah, that idea that we we carry learning i also tell people if you haven't heard from your loved one and you're waiting and waiting tell them to enter the dreams of a friend because sometimes our grief can prevent their energy from coming into our dreams. But if we give them permission to go to a close mutual friend, they can often get a message yes. across that way. The friend can be a, almost like a dream oracle. And yes, yes, absolutely. I didn't think of that. That's, that's a very beautiful way of, 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 of putting it, it to say, ask, ask, you know, appear to one of my friends if I'm if I'm too bruised and still broken with grief you know because the journey of grief is, is one of the most painful it is the most painful journey of our lives losing a loved one and um, sometimes we've got to pay attention to healing that before we're ready for that connection to spirit yeah it's a heavy it's a heavy energy yeah yeah, and, and of course, you know, if friends dream of, of departed loved ones that's and tell you about it, it's so... And there is research, isn't there, to show that in about 88% of cases, people who do have dreams of departed loved ones do actually deal, deal better with their grief. Um, it is a very healing experience. But again, anyone listening who is not dreaming of their departed loved one, I don't want them to, to think that that's, there's something wrong with them or that their loved one doesn't want to communicate. Their loved one does. <laughs> They'll find a way. Yes, thank you for pointing that out. And that's a really good point because people want that visual. They want that. But again, going back to signs, and I agree with you so, so, so very much about the, the positive aspects of the pandemic. And I'm not, again, not making light of, of all the horrific things that happened. But it seems like more people are finding that bridge between their practical linear side and their intuitive side. And as empaths, we're trying to learn how, how can I trust those premonitions? How can I, they'll ask for a sign. Samantha and I both teach courses and we say, you know, keep a dream journal, keep track of signs that you're getting. And that's a trigger to spirit to say, okay, I'm ready for more. How can people bridge that a little more between their, their logical linear sequential and their intuitive empathic side? Well, I think dream work actually requires a lot of logic. Um, you know, because uh, you've got to, you know, you've got to keep your dream journal um, and, and, and you can also start doing reality checks during the day. Am I awake or am I dreaming? You know, you start questioning what is real, what is reality, what's the true meaning here, what's the deeper meaning here, what is the meaning of dreams? And actually, you can, you know, dream work does unite both the intuitive and, and the logical, rational part of your brain beautifully in my opinion and it's it's a great entry point to spiritual awakening too because even people were very cynical i found i found actually the reason i'm talking a lot about dreams isn't just the lockdown dream phenomenon i've also found the mainstream media or if i want to speak to people who aren't necessarily part of the community of spiritual spiritually awakened people just go in with dreams because they get that 
<laughs> and you can apply very practical tools with it. And they don't realize that when you're talking about dreams, you're actually talking about spirituality. They don't realize that. Um, and it's a lovely entry point to, to, to deeper work. Um, so I've just found now, I just go in, I mean, I was on Capital Radio recently, um, that amazing radio station um, talking about dreams. I was on Good Morning Television actually yesterday. They did a viewer phone in. Um, this is a news entertainment show, which is BAFTA winning over here in the UK. And they invited me on because people were having lots of dreams. And I thought, this is wonderful. First of all, this wouldn't have happened pre-COVID because I've been around for a long time, you know, writing best-selling dream books. Why is it happening now? But also I thought, there's no way that I could have gone on there if I talked about things like telepathy, precognition, mediumship. They just wouldn't, you know, because, you know, when you have a mainstream show, they're so... I don't want to offend the skeptics or whatever. How are you going with dreams? Everybody's fine, <laughs> you know, and I just love it because they don't realize, because what I was telling them about, you know, getting to know yourself, loving yourself, exploring who you are, your unconscious, I'm talking about spirituality, spiritual awakening, the spiritual journey. And, but they don't realize that. And there's always chatter, the phone in, the phones were buzzing with people who've had these dreams that they were being murdered or drowned or whatever. But by, you know, I love that. Sorry, I've gone off on a tangent as, as uh, a bit, but I just love the fact now that there's so much openness to, to dreaming and through dreaming, taking it deeper. Because there's always a follow-up then, oh, I get that. Can I hear a bit more? <laughs> It's like dreams are, are the happy gateway drug. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like we, we mentioned um, I was on Russell Brand. I mean, the reason, that reason I got on Russell Brand is because I co-authored with a neuroscientist. You see, that's how, you, you know, if you want to engage people who are not what I would say, I hate that word converted, but, you know, who people are very open to the idea of spirituality. But then in a way, you're kind of always talking to an audience who is going to get what you say, and it all becomes very sort of self-congratulatory. What I'm enjoying do, doing a lot these days is talking to people who would never dream of talking about spirituality. Um, and one of the reasons I was invited onto Russell Brand, it, you know, this is quite a, a few years ago now, was because I was, he wanted to hear about the science. So again, I, I, I work with scientists a lot. I collaborate with scientists, you know, like Dr. Julian Mossbridge and... Dean Radin and people like that, because then you can bring in scientific studies as well. That's another way to get people to understand that there's something there, that it's not, I hate that word, woo-woo. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to sort of take the woo-woo out of it. <laughs> Just show it's, it, you know, your sixth sense is, is a normal sense. You know, it's yes. not, you know, we've all got it. Why are, we, why, why are we so frightened of it? Why are people so frightened to look within? Now that's a big question I'm asking you. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I, I think people are so afraid of that. And I think dreams are a great, a great way for them to become less afraid and start to see the true magic that awaits not only in their dreams, but in their sixth sense. You know, speaking of your work with the Premonition Code and Dr. Julie Mossbridge, how can people tell the difference between a dream and a premonition dream? Okay. I just got an email from a listener last night and she said, I keep having dreams that I'm getting shot in the back. And she said, is this a premonition or is this just a dream? 
Well, first of all, the way to find out if it is a premonition, you have to write it down with the date and the time. Because if you don't keep a record, you're not going to have proof. So you don't actually know, you know, until a few days afterwards, whether it is a real pre precognition or not. However, there are certain telltale signs. A precognitive dream, rather like an afterlife sign dream when you meet a departed loved one, it tends to be very realistic. It also tends to have a beginning, a middle and an end, a kind of a narrative to it. Whereas most psychological symbolic dreams are a bit like music videos. They're like, you know, fragments, images. So that's that's one way of knowing. And when you wake up from a precognitive dream, not only did it feel so real and realistic, but you feel calm. If you're waking up and you're in a state of extreme panic, I would say that is not coming from your precognition, your higher self, because any messages from your higher self tend to be calm and reassuring and gentle. They're not harsh with you and they don't expect you to go and, and do crazy things. Um, so if you're waking up and you've got this calm certainty or knowing, there aren't these self-critical harsh voices in your head. There isn't an argument going on in your head. There's just inner peace and calm. That's a sign that we could be, it could be a precognitive dream. Now, if the dream is something like being shot in the back, highly unlikely that it is precognitive um, um, because, you know, that that simply isn't going to happen in my humble opinion. I get a lot of dreams about people being shot and that basically look at the symbolism, forces outside of your control. Something outside of your control is hurting you or you feel it's outside of your control. So you need to look in your life is what is driving your life at the moment? What is the unexpected or, or, or what is this force that's hitting you without your agreement to it? Because when you're shot, you know, there's no conscious agreement. So I would say this is something about external forces outside of your control. And of course, with the pandemic, you know, it could well even be that, you know, all of us were shot in the back in 2020 with covid none of us had an idea of what what was going to happen really so i would suggest that is the case. but please the only way to truly know if it's precognitive or not and i hope it's nothing as dramatic is to write it down you need to write it down but if you're filled with fear and anxiety very unlikely that you know fear and anxiety is not how your precognitive mind your spiritual mind is going to speak to you it, you will wake up with calm and peace and a certain knowledge. Typically, you'll want to do something as well. That's a sign of a precognitive dream. You know you've got to do something. It encourages you to take action and not to stay trapped in your head. Those are the, the clear signs. But, you know, just write, really, please write them down. Keep a record because otherwise you can't have any proof that it is precognitive. Yeah, no, I agree. And the shot in the back, I told her, can also indicate a betrayal. Yes, unexpected forces outside of your control. All I can get from that is it's outside of your control. You can't control other people. You can only control yourself. Um, you know, you can't ever control what happens, what other people decide to do, because that's their, their, <laughs> their, their journey. You need to focus on what you can do. Um, but to maybe just be alert to what you're saying is betrayal is a theme. Alert, be more curious. I mean, your dreamy mind always sometimes sends you images because it wants you to look at your waking life with more curiosity. 
be more observant. Look beneath the surface. Don't take everything at face value, including people in your life. You know, mm-hmm. look beneath the surface. Take your time. Be patient and let go of all your expectations of other people. Let go of them. That's nothing to do with you. That's their journey. Focus more on yourself and and, and what you're thinking and feeling. Because that's all that truly matters at the end of the day. It's, it's your your the only person you have control over is your own thoughts and feelings and emotions focus on that the rest i always say will fall into place when you've got a handle on that amen one of the beautiful things about keeping a dream journal is exactly what you just said about you have concrete evidence you have something that you can say on september 18th i dreamt about this and then it, it manifested or came to fruition but also it gives you a way to blend like the work of a really good dream dictionary with mm. your own interpretation so that you can learn your own symbolism. That, oh, that so, so right. Because I mean, I write dream dictionaries, but these are universal, collective, you know, almost archetypal symbols, you know, and I'm bringing that interpretation to it. But as I always says, you know, if you, if you love um, sailing, for example, if you dream you're sailing, it's going to have a very different um, interpretation. And if you're someone who's, terrified of the sea or drowning or whatever you've got to bring in your own personal symbolism always uh, um to to the collective um um symbolism that i taught that's all dream dictionaries can do the best dream dictionary you write is the one you write yourself that you start to recognize your specific dream symbols for example whenever dogs appear in my dreams that's a i love dogs so that's a really lovely sign of unconditional love and loyalty and bliss and joy but you know if someone's very scared of dogs or has been bitten by one or you know it's going to have a massively different interpretation so please bear in mind the personal interpretation also the joy of a dream journal is you see that dreams don't work in isolation they're like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle sometimes your dreaming mind is going to tell you something over a series of like 10 dreams and you have it's like netflix you know you've got to tune in the following night your dreaming mind's going to add more. It, we look at our dreams as like in isolation, but they're not. They're, they're all, and my dream journal, now I go, goes back, you know, I started recording my dreams when I was about six. You know, I've got stacks of it. It's fascinating going back and you can see how your dreaming mind is constantly commenting on your waking life in a, in a really interesting way. Um, and it can be a great read, and it can also be a source of tremendous creativity. You know, like the premonition code came to me, you know, through a, a moment of insight following a dream. The title, great titles, great ideas. You know, you can move forward with, when I'm on a book, I often move forward in my dreams because I've had a sort of a, 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 a eureka moment because of a dream picture I saw of a lake or a, or a, or a tree. And it's suddenly like, I get this, you know, I need to be more, you know, I, you see what I'm trying to say is that, you know, these symbols are so rich. They're so oh, right. But this helps so much because I will dream the same thing over and over and over. And it's almost like, okay, Denise, we're going to make this really simple for you. And we're <laughs> going to keep giving you this same symbol until, yeah. and then we'll move to the next step. And, once and, <laughs> Recurring dreams are until until you get what the dreaming mind, the dreaming mind really loves you so much that it wants to give you a message and it keeps reinforcing that message. But as soon as you get that message, what it's trying to say, then you won't have that dream again. It will evolve into something different. What about some of the common dreams we all have, like 
finding a room in our house we didn't know existed or discovering we could fly or I've read one of the most common dreams is having your teeth fall out. Oh, yes, especially in this social media age, because, of course, teeth, it's all about appearance, how you appear. You know, smiling without teeth isn't great. So it, it's to do with appearance, but it's also, you know, we lose our baby teeth and we grow up. So it's also the ending of something. Um, but with every ending becomes a beginning. So in some ways, it's kind of a positive sign. It just says it's time to move on now, you know, grow up a bit, evolve. Or it could be to do with communication as well. You know, um, in the animal world, when animals show their teeth, it's anger. So you again, you've got to look at your, your waking life. And as soon as you know the right interpretation, is it anger? Am I worried about aging my appearance? Am I losing something um, is to, you'll get that aha moment. As soon as you know what aspect of your waking life it's commenting on, you'll just get that moment, that ding, I get it. I get what this dreaming, my dream is trying to tell me. You'll know when you hit on the right interpretation, but you've got to go through all the, the possibles. Um, and that's what I, in my books, I try to offer possibles that, you know, a very common dream. I think it's in the top five dreams actually, or top 10. Um, because um, dream research, you know, is constantly evaluating what's the most common dream. And the most common dream, by the way, is falling. Um, that's the most common dream that people almost always will have at some point in their life, which, especially during the pandemic, um, lots of people dreamt of falling because it's feeling unsupported. Um, but, uh, you know, if you have a, a common dream like that, think of all the associations with it in your waking life. If you lost your teeth in your waking life, how would you feel? Well, you wouldn't really be wanting to smile for the camera, would you? Um, you know, you'd be feeling a sense of loss. So what in your waking life resonates? And pay attention to the emotion as well of your dream. Always go where the emotion is because that's where the energy, that's where the energy flows. And that will help you understand how your dreaming mind is trying to offer you a new perspective on some situation in your, your waking life. And what about finding a new room in your house? Well, Jung, the father of dream interpretation, along with Freud, um, said that houses are mansions of the soul in dreams. So every room in the house is an aspect of you, your soul. And of course, finding an unused room, what a beautiful dream is untapped potential, isn't it? There's something about you yet to discover. And how exciting is that? What's in that room? What are you going to fill it with? Why didn't you know it wasn't there before? All these questions when you wake up from a dream like that, that you can ask yourself. That's really cool. I love that. It's like, it's like a puzzle, a mystery you have to solve in your waking time. You become like Sherlock Holmes but for yourself. And, and what I love when I work with people with dreaming now, as I increasingly do, is that I show them that they're so much more interesting than they thought they were. You know, we tend to think that our personalities are formed and that, oh, I like this and I don't like that. I'm, my personality is X, Y, Z. And dreams show no, it throws all that out and shows, no, you're not like that at all. You've got this quality. You've got that quality. Sorry, my cat's meowing. And my dog has just gone racing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, it's near their dinner time. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it just shows you how much of yourself is yet. You know, we only show the tip of the iceberg in our waking life. Dreams show us the mass underneath. And you, there's so much... We, we stop thinking that your personality is fixed. This is who I am. 
you know, no, you're not. You can be this. You can be that. You can be anything in your dreams, actually. That's what I love about dreams. You, you can literally be or do anything. <laughs> yes. And, and it allows you to really connect with your truest self. It's, yes. It, that, that subconscious part of you that knows every aspect of who you are and why you're here. And yes. one of the things I read this years ago was that you could jot down a question before you go to sleep. Just jot it down on the top of your dream journal and say, if you're struggling with trying to get clarity or make a decision or get an answer. And if you keep writing that, you will have dreams that will point you in the right direction to answer your question. And you, I've done that several times. It's, it's magic. It is magic. It, it's absolutely magic to just write down that question and, and ponder it, gently ponder it. Let it gently ponder it as you fall asleep, as you consciously fall asleep. Just keep mulling over that question in a gentle way. I say not forceful or panicky and just say, look, it's fine. You know, if not tonight, then to tomorrow is always another day with mm -hmm. dreaming mind. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right. In some ways you become like the, you know, in ancient Greece, the, the dream oracles, you know, the temples where people would submit queries and then the, the oracles would dream on it, wouldn't they? We can all do that. You know, there's not some people, special elite group of dreamers, like in the minority report, you know, who can go and dream. <laughs> I wish people would stop putting people who have visions on pedestals, because my passion in recent lifetime is to show we've all got that. And I do love the fact that there are some people who are visionary, who've had near-death experiences. I love the fact that these people are getting notoriety and, and too right they should because they are wonderful, wise leaders. But in some ways it's worrying because it's like them and us. Mm -hmm. I'm on a pedestal and I've got to go to this person because they're going to tell me who I am. No, you tell you who you are. Your dreaming mind's trying to do that every night. Listen to it. You don't need other people, um, you know, who say they have advanced, you know, I, I, I mean, there is a place for it because sometimes it can be very healing, especially if you're in deep grief to get that reassurance and also information and knowledge and tools to help you. Wise teachers are a very important part of the spiritual path, but not if it leads to dependency. Um, oh, I couldn't saying that. agree more. Yeah. couldn't agree more. People need um, to learn that. The answers are within, and you know, if you do the work, you can awaken that within you. Yeah, yeah. And the spiritual journey is actually all about self-confidence. People need to believe in themselves more. Yes, I, I agree so much. Recently, Denise and I did a show on premonitions, and we included a lot of stories of dreams and insights and meditation flashes people had of premonitions that came true. And we talked about the premonition bureau, which started in your country. And it really made me think, like, oh my gosh, are like was Calvin right? Is the future set in stone? Well, what I just, I, yeah, I mean, what I learned with working with neuroscientist Dr. Julia Mossbridge, who is kind of like the time lady, I call her, because um, that's what she she researches, is that because I'm not a scientist or a physicist like she is. Um, and I, you know, we, we talked about what is time and, you know, just like scientists don't know what dreams or sleep are, they don't know what time is either. And it seems that it's almost like time is from a quantum point of view is happening. The past, present and future are all happening at once. And just to make sense of it, 
um, us humans have this sort of linear structure, but it's for because the future can influence the past. You know, you have this idea of the causal loop, the chicken and the egg, what comes first? You know, it really was mind blowing trying to understand it all. But yeah, you know, it's like our future self can, we can, you can shake hands with your future self. You can interact with your future self it's the science of it is 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 very difficult to understand and we try to articulate it in the premonition code um and i hope it helped but for someone like me who is is spiritual you know um arty creative it's so hard to understand the science but what i did realize is that scientists are more and more coming to the conclusion that time is a construct and and it is possible for the future to dip into the past and the present into the past. And, you know, <laughs> and near-death experiences show that as well. I'm not being very articulate here because it's, I'm not a scientist or a physicist and I can't explain it properly. But I, I love the idea that we can meet our future selves and nurture our past selves and, and, and time doesn't actually exist. It's not real. <laughs> It's a man-made constraint. I, I agree 100%. And when you step into that fluidity of time not being linear, it opens up so many possibilities and so, many, so much depth. But also people say, well, is that predestination then? Yes. I say, yes, the future is fixed, but to extent. And I give the example uh, that if you hold a, a China mug up and then you drop it, the future of that China mug is to smash on the floor. That's its future. That's its predestination. However, you have free will. You, with your other hand, you can catch it before it falls. So you have the future is fixed, but it can be changed, you know. And there are potential futures and all these these ideas, you know. I love that movie Interstellar, which kind of delved into this as well. I do often go because a lot of movie directors actually are very visionary, and I I found that I interviewed. Lauren Carpenter, who's a double Oscar winner and now a scientist who works with Dr. Julian Mossbridge. Um, but the fascinating thing about him is he co-founded Pixar and um, and he's uh, a science director at Disney. And he was talking about these kind of ideas years ago. Um, and, and it's wonderful, actually, that this last Christmas, Disney did the movie Soul, you know, which and, and now having spoken to Lauren Carpenter, who co-founded Pixar two or three years ago, you know, he's deeply into this. It all, all, all the pieces of the puzzle fit together. You know, the movies can sometimes express these things. And a lot of directors like Christopher Nolan, for example, they are very, very visionary and in tune with spirituality. And I love it also that movies can get across these spiritual messages to millions, you know, whereas books and, and, and podcasts sometimes are more restricted in their ability to do that. Um, and that's why these movies are so timeless because, you know, people will go to the movies but not realise that what they're seeing is some really deep spiritual truths. I mean, Ince what Inception did for dreaming and lucid dreaming was incredible. <laughs> I, I could only dream of writing a book that had that impact. Which I actually read he got the idea from a lucid dream. <laughs> Yes, he's a lucid dreamer himself. Yes, he got the idea. As did, you know, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, as did uh, Jacqueline Hyde, you know, Robert Louis Stevenson, as does Stephen King. Many a misery was a dream. He dreamt he was trapped in his house and his, one of his fans was taping him, to, just chained him to the bed and was going to threaten to kill him if he didn't finish a plot. 
you know, I mean, isn't it incredible? <laughs> it really is. You can write novels and create movies in your dreams. <laughs> well, here's how I look at time. If, if time is like the Mississippi River, right? So in New Orleans, you've got maybe the past. And by the time it gets up to uh, Minneapolis, it's the future. Well, if, if that's all set in stone, the river is there, then it's set in stone. But if you drop something, a canoe or, uh, you know, a, a bucket of treasure into the Mississippi River in Tennessee, well, then you've affected that time. Absolutely. Beautiful metaphor. I love that. And it, it really helps, you know, these because these things, these concepts are so expansive and difficult for our rational, logical minds to understand. And, and it, having metaphors like that really, really helps. Can I borrow that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, it just makes me feel better because when I read, like in the premonition code, I feel like you guys proved the science of premonitions. Oh, thank you very, very much. Yes, that book became a big talking point and still is actually. And um, it was also a big leap into the unknown for both Julia and myself, because as I say, I'm not a scientist. So that the courage to work with someone who's so, so clever and for Julia, it was also, she got quite a lot of stick from the scientific community for going, teaming up with someone who hasn't got a PhD behind their name or isn't a double first in physics from Stanford, if you know what I mean. Right. So but we love that, that you had these two women, totally different approach. And I love the fact in the book that a lot of the time I'm saying, Julia, I don't understand. Can you please explain? And a lot of the book still, I still have to read it and try and understand it because it is so scientific. And the training she offered on the accompanying website is, from, is rigorously scientifically tested and tough. I'm more into let's go and meditate. Let's tune into our gut. Uh, let's dream on it kind of approach. Whereas her, it's like with computers and uh, double blood. <laughs> and testing and strapped up with heart monitors. So I, I love that. And it is a very quirky, quirky book um, that's kind of got a bit of a cult following now because it's so, so unusual, um, but we wanted to do that. And it even got, got a review in a journal, a scientific journal or two. But typical with the skeptical community, they said, oh, Teresa Chung writes encyclopedias of dreamings and they put encyclopedia in quotation marks, you know, and they wanted to look at the science. However, in the other way, it worked in the other way in that, you know, I was able to go on things like Russell Brand and talk about it more intuitively. So what was lovely is that we were able to sort of hit so many different markets with it. Um, and, and, and it was controversial, but that really, really was the best thing about the book, that it was controversial. Um, so <laughs> because it got people talking about dreaming and the possibility that we can sense sense and feel the future and influence the future and that's all we wanted it allowed you to meet both sides of the fence the yeah, people who are linear and the people who may not be it's beautiful and it's led to a collaboration with me with many other scientists as well it's wonderful i've sort of been you know not embraced that to you know because scientists don't <laughs> not a few <abusive. laughs> But, you know, the difference of going on a scientifically podcast with, 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 with a loving podcast like this, which is more conversational and more, more, more appropriate to real life, to, but, but it's wonderful to, to talk about these things um, and to have the confidence to do so as well, because I have some scientific research to back it up. And at the end of the day, to say to these scientists, look, here's where I'm coming from, here's where you're coming from. Neither of us know 100% for certain, 
you know, that's what I always say to people about, you know, because I, I believe in life after death and they say, there's no proof. And I, well, I point to near-death experiences and I say, well, you've got no proof that life after death doesn't exist either. So we're both actually coming from the same point. You know, it is a question at the end of the day of belief, but there is actually gathering proof now. We have more and more science pointing to the fact that psychic abilities are real. There's more research being done that near-death experiences happen, that consciousness can survive bodily death. There's a lot of research into dreaming. It's a super exciting time to be alive. And I wish I could live much longer and, and, and keep soak, soaking it all in. There's never enough time. <laughs> There's so much to research. You know, I have given up trying to convince those sciencey type of people because after the Tic Tac videos were released and we've had this soft UFO disclosure, I'm still reading all these articles of, well, if that really is something in the sky, why can't they get a clearer photograph of it? And, I, and I'm like, you know, well, you know no one's going to, some people you're just never going to convince. You know, we've got the Noetic Institute that you mentioned, the Windbridge Institute's doing so much research on after death communication. Yeah. And yes, I love, I love working. I, I've, I've worked, she actually wrote the forward to one of my books, actually. Lovely, lovely lady. And the research there they're doing on mediums is phenomenal. And I always actually recommend it now if people write to me and say, I say, well, go and check out the Winbridge Institute. But there's a Forever Family as well organization with Lloyd Arbach. Yes, which does great work. And yeah. so you're right. All the evidence is out there. And still some people are like, eh, it's a bunch of hooey. So <laughs> how do they know? That's what I say. How do you know? I know. I just don't engage in that conversation anymore. I just I wouldn't be that. so arrogant to say to someone what you believe is baloney because I, do, I I would always say well it's not for me however I I'm, I'm open-minded to it you know how do you know you right. in how do you know all the answers who gave you the authority to say what is what is real and what isn't not all of us in, in the dark really we're all um, trying to sense what is best and what is right and what is true and my my rule of thumb these days is if it, if it makes a person feel good and it makes the people around them feel good. For me, <laughs> that's progress. And the trouble is with a lot of skeptics, a lot of them look very, very unhappy. <laughs> and they're angry all the time. You know, that's just a sign that, well, you know, if, if you're so convinced you're right, it's not really making you that happy, is it? <laughs> that's a really good point. Have you had a premonition dream? I have I have ones that I wouldn't say are highly consequ consequential. I write in the premonition code about a book where I about a dream I had where I believe my mother warned me um, when I was at a junction and, and I helped avoid an accident. That was an, a kind of a dream save my life moment. Apart from that, I have fragments like I actually dreamt of Russell Brand. Would you believe it? A couple of days before I was in touch with them, and I would not have in my wildest dreams imagined that would happen. Um, why him you know because I right. so was that sensing something because that really was a big turning point for me more people becoming aware of me and I just I, thank goodness I wrote it in my journal because otherwise it would be people saying oh she's making it up in hindsight but I got the date and the time and this was before they got in touch or we were in touch with them I love things like that why did I dream of him of all the actors of all the celebrities in the world why him at the time, I, he wasn't consciously on my radar. He's not someone I'd followed or was that keen. I knew he was into spiritual things, but then so are a lot of celebrities. I mean, I didn't mean Gwyneth Paltrow, did I? Or, well, so I, I love it when things like that. And when, when things like that happen, it's so exciting. 
it's so exciting because you think I can't explain this. It is. Yeah. It is. And it's like proof. It's personal proof. And I also think it's a good idea to write it down and date it because at least for me, I'm my own worst critic. And oh, yeah. so I'll have a premonition dream and I'll go, oh, well, I don't know. Was it Monday night or Wednesday night? Or maybe yeah. someone mentioned that I should reach out to Russell Brand and I just stored it in my subconscious. Like I just doubt myself upside, downside, left, right. So writing and dating things down uh, and telling, I usually have to tell at least three people about it too. <laughs> that's what I learned from scientists. And that's what the best thing with working with Dr. Julia was, is that she's not interested in anything unless it's written down, recorded, documented, and there's proof. Um, and that's what I, because I was, I'm kind of like sort of a bit more floaty before, and you know, oh, if you believe it and whatever. But, you know, since working, you know, five years ago now, gosh, time has flown, that I worked with her, that was a powerful lesson I took away write it down, record it properly, less, less vagueness. Um, and, and that really does help me because then I can, I can see, oh my goodness, I dreamt that. And then two days later, I met that person unexpectedly, or, you know, I dreamt of a color and the following day, um, I, I, I saw that color in a meaningful way, you know, things like that really, really help empower me to believe because I don't claim to be an intuitive or a psychic. I never never have but I, I like you I need constant reassurance that yeah I can do it <laughs> and my dreaming mind sometimes very kindly obliges but I think it's getting fed up my dreaming mind now saying that I've given you enough enough get on with it <laughs> now we just have to have you dream about Joe Rogan <laughs> I would love to talk to that guy I really would I really would love to talk to him uh, it would be interesting. I'd love you two to talk to him as well. It um, would be awesome. Let's three go on together and bring all our empathy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it would be fun, wouldn't it? But, you know, I, I mean, it, whereas a few years ago, that I would have thought never would that happen. Now, I think it could. It could. It could. Yes. Why yes. not? You Anything know? can happen. And like you said, more and more people are having their lights turned on and they're starting to wake up to this yeah. reality that there's more to this than, than we thought. And everybody has this ability. That's one of my big passions. It sounds like it's one of yours. Yes. The guru is within. The guru is within. And if you think of yourself as a rational, logical person, use that rational side of you and that logical side of you to enhance your intuition. Because if you look at, you know, intuitive detectives, I say like Sherlock Holmes or whatever, a lot of their intuitive hunches are based on logic because they've observed logically how a person behaves and they're able to de detect minute changes in behavior or routine. Bring your logic into your intuitive development because it's so helpful thinking now this doesn't make sense. You know, this is a, is this a change in routine or a, you know, a subtle shift that I, I've noticed, write it down. And from there, you can start really bring your intuition into it as well. You know, the greatest scientists in the world are highly intuitive, that leap of faith they need to take, you know, you know, when the apple dropped on, on, on Einstein's head, or was Isaac Newton, sorry, his head, he had, to, you know, the apple dropping, he needed that next intuitive creative leap, didn't he? Exactly. Well, look at Thomas Edison used to take naps with his hands holding on to metal balls and he would put 
you know, cake plates at his feet so that when he went into REM sleep, the balls would fall onto the plate, waking him up. And absolutely. So images from a dream. Um, I think Salvador Dali did that as well. The artist. Yes. 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 Yeah. To tap into that, that, that twilight state when you're not awake and you're not asleep and your brain waves are in a very deeply meditative state where all these wonderful connections can be formed. Because often it's about making connections. You've got everything there, but you're not connecting everything right. And that's where Dreamy can help. It can, it can weave everything together like a tapestry for you. Oh, rather than seeing everything beautiful. separate. I love that. Making your own tapestry. Denise, do you have anything you want to add before we wrap up? No, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Because I know this conversation is going to help so many of our listeners. And it's helped me as well. So thank you from a personal level. Oh, Denise, thank you. I mean, I'm absolutely honored to speak to you both. Um, love your podcast. So thank you for all that you both do. Um, empowering empaths. I think they, they need to be empowered. That's what they, you know, as I say, sensitive is the new strong. <laughs> I love it. That's the title of your next book. <laughs> <laughs> there's a book out there actually um um of that name i think it's a lovely anita morjani oh oh we love her too well thank you so much we really enjoy your work and it's just been a treat and an honor to get to talk to you can you tell people where to find you on your website and social media Yes, um, um, www.theresachung.com is my website. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Um, I'm working with Conscious Living PR at the moment. So uh, it just just Google me. It's you know you usually what will come up is some picture of me looking extremely perplexed because Russell Brand has insulted me. <laughs> <laughs> Or laughing, or absolutely laughing because he's cracked a joke. So that will be your first introduction. Um, but don't let it put you off. <laughs> There's more beneath. <laughs> and your your next book is coming out in 2022? Yes, it's all about lucid dreaming. I can't wait. I'm so excited mm. about it. Yes, um, because I, 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 being a dream decoder, everybody wanted the next stage because I don't cover that in my dream dictionary A to Z with HarperCollins. Um, uh, everybody wanted a simple, some simple tools to how to wake up in your dreams and, to, and also to fall in love with your dreams. It's all a book, book about fall in love with your dreams and then you'll fall in love with yourself, hopefully. Oh, well, please let us know when that comes out and come back on the show because listeners would love to hear more. Oh, thank you, Samantha. That's really, really, really kind. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you have a wonderful week filled with sweet dreams. Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.